Hey besties, welcome back to another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we chat about moments when life isn't. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so passionate about peeling back that veil our society has constructed around perfectionism online. When starting my own personal platform on Instagram, I realized that I was getting caught in the inauthentic hustle, and it was severely affecting my mental health, mostly because I was comparing my behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Throughout my life, I've come to own that my setbacks were actually just set ups for something better. I found a way to step into my true potential, and the goal is to amplify other voices who have done the same so that someone out there feels seen and that much less alone. I cannot wait to get into this important conversation with our next guest. So let's get started. Okay, thank you so much for tuning back into another episode. I'm just, again, so incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. If you listened last week, you could tell I definitely had a cold going on. I am recovered, but my voice still sounds like crap. Oh, well. The beauty of pre-recording, I guess. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to our next guest. Her name is Avery, and what's really cool is she is a fellow podcaster. She hosts produces, edits the Crispy Soul podcast, and she actually invited me to be a guest on her show first. We hit it off, found out we have some pretty similar stories, and I invited her to come share her story here for all of you. I hope the story resonates with you. As you can tell in our conversation, it really resonated with me. So enjoy, and here's Avery. Isn't that funny how you get nervous? Not on your own show, but then when people interview you. Anyways, hi everyone for listening. This is Amanda, obviously. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to our next guest. She is a fellow podcaster. She has her own show called The Crispy Soul Podcast. And I can't wait for you guys to get to know her better. This is Avery. Oh, hey. Hey, how's it going, Manda girl? <laughs> I am so excited to, again, talk to you more. When we talked on your podcast, I feel like we had a great time and we clicked instantly. And I'm excited for my listeners to get a chance to have that same feeling as well, too. I can't wait to, yeah, like get up, share my story to your listeners. You know, we have some overlapping similar themes in our podcast and it's just it's really cool to do a crossover yes yes I love that and I'm so glad that you reached out initially and formed this relationship I'm so thankful that you found me and we got connected um I would love to give you an opportunity just to tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of how you got to where we are right now in this moment (laughs) okay well how far do you want to go back there take it back (laughs) We got all the time in the world, girl. <laughs> Was this like 60 minutes, 90 minutes? Just give me a general window here. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I've i always had like <laughs> mental, mental health struggles. Mm. Um, it hit me hard. Like it started trickling in in my teens. 
um, I noticed like low moods or just things were stale or mm. just not like, I don't know, just anxiety or different things. But it really peaked when a family member uh, he tried to off himself. Mm. Yeah. And wrote a note and was ready to check out. And I remember that was my first day of depression. And that was in high school. Never forget that. And then that, <laughs> that like, I think that flipped something in my brain. I think with mental illness, like it happens in your teens or something usually, and it just flipped there. Yeah. Yep. Um, I went on to like, but yeah, I like got through high school. I went to, I did show choir and lacrosse and was, had a lot of success there. And those are these safety nets mentally for me. So, and good friends. Okay, great. We got through high school. Cool. Here comes college. Okay. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the East Coast for lacrosse and uh, I depression hit me there. Yeah, just I missed home and I just wasn't getting pleasure in things. I noticed just other people were like excited about college and loved going to lunch together. And I would just be like, I don't feel like doing any of that. Like, I don't I don't know what it is. And but then I'd have like a great semester where I was super active and like had lots of energy and very social. So I, I started noticing these different patterns. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Kind of Am I allowed yeah. to say fuck? Go for it, girl. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I started noticing patterns, but still not sure what was going on. I thought, hey, I just need to transfer like schools. This School is stuffy and kids are rich little mofos doing coke between classes. Ooh. This is not for me. I got bullied too. It was mm. just, it was rough out there. So I was like, you know, I just need to, I just need to transfer and go do a creative thing. And so I went to the other side of the country. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Pennsylvania to San Francisco, whatever, no biggie, just fly over there, no biggie, and uh, settled into like a graphic design school. I realized, okay, this is still kind of uh, not quite as creative as I thought. I'm starting to have panic every day because the city is just eating me alive. Mm. I am like starting to like disassociate from reality. I'm getting lost. I don't remember my classes. I'm calling my dad bawling every day, mm. all day. And something was so wrong. I'm waking up, Amanda, in the morning and I'm going into a panic attack uh. every single day. <laughs> I was like, uh. oh, my God. oh my God. My skin was breaking out with so much acne because there's the body is under so much duress. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So it was awful. And then like the city was crazy. There were homeless people screaming like bloody murder in the park next to me. And I like fire trucks going, the stimulus was so crazy. Uh, for So me. overstimulating. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Have you, you, have you lived in a big city before? I have, but <laughs> Even not living in a big city, I understand the chaos that is overstimulation when your mental health is at its breaking point. Yep. 
Yeah, even, that'll push you. <laughs> it'll push you to where the point I heard myself say out loud, the silence is deafening. And that was when my husband was like, yeah, okay, uh-huh, we're going to go back to therapy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you can't stand silence. You yep. can't stand noise. You don't like, I, yeah, we'll get mm, there. Like, mm. Okay, so we're on the <laughs> other coast. We are clearly straight up not having a good time. Not having a good time. I do appreciate, I did appreciate um, the rugby team. I played rugby on both coasts. Okay. Out of that. And they were a bunch of beautiful gay women who were so kind. Yes. That was nice, but I had to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> I I was like so uncomfortable that I just didn't know what to do. I skipped class. And I was like, what the fuck should I do? I got to go to the hospital or something. And so that was the first time like I just went to the hospital and they, the, here's what they did. The nurse was like, we're going to give you some Ativan and then you can lay down and take a nap. Okay. <laughs> and I was just so grateful to be somewhere safe. Yes. And, but I felt so much shame and failure constantly because I wasn't making it. And I was just, I felt like it was my fault for years. I felt like this is my fault. Mm. I, I just can't get my shit together. So that moment was like, I called my parents and I was like, I got to go home. I got to go home. And I applied to the U of M, University of Minnesota. Thank God I got in and I just transferred again. <laughs> I was like, hey, I went back home. I did okay there. I played lacrosse. That, it felt good. And I was okay. I still had depression. I remember I had to go to the disability services and get like a bunch of permissions to turn my shit in late. And I felt awful there, but, and I remember just like binge watching the office instead of going to class. And I just laid in my roommate's bed and drew the shades. Cause I just, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's not like crazy, but it's like something's fucking wrong. Other people are going to class. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't know if you ever realized this. I'm sure you did because you're to a point now that you're talking about it. But all of those are warning signs from your body that it's in danger. Mm -hmm. But our culture is, oh, no, you have to earn rest. You're not allowed to rest and recover and take care of your body. You have to basically work it to where it's screaming at you. Avery, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> Well, I definitely stopped. I mean, yeah. I was like laying in bed. I needed an upper at that point. I yeah. needed like Adderall. Like I even tried Adderall that you crashed from that. That didn't work. Mm -mm. Or like an antidepressant, like something to speed things the fuck up. Mm. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? You don't know. But lacrosse, I got out of bed for that. And I did graduate finally after like five years. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Whatever. Congrats. After 10,000 essays later. Yeah. And just, I don't know. But yeah. And then, you know, got out of, got out of college, went to, you know, got, my dad scared me. He's like, you need a job now. Like you got loans coming up. And <clears throat> so I just joined, I just got into this corporate job, customer service, and I'll never forget Everything like I had to say the same fucking line every single time I answered. Thank you for calling your healthy life personal health advocate team. My name is Avery. How can I help you? I just I wanted after two years, I don't know how I made it long, 
I wanted to jump through a plate glass window. Mm. I was so fucking annoyed and depressed about it. Um, like I'm very sensitive to, am I in the, am I in alignment with where I should be in life? Mm. Isn't it? I mean, your mental health can be almost a compass. Yes. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like you felt that, right? Like where you, you're not happy. So you have to reroute. I know your story. Yeah. No, and it sounds, I'm listening to you just talk about you in college and, oh, I'm just going to run away to the other side of the coast and maybe that'll fix it. And I'm just like, yeah, uh uh-huh. It wasn't moving coasts. It was jumping jobs and jumping relationships and being like, oh, it's my surroundings. It's not me because I can't, I don't want to think about the fact that like maybe something in my brain is wrong because pride <laughs> and I don't want to yeah. have to deal with the hashtag trauma that I've been through, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm afraid what I'll uncover if I start talking about it. Well, and you've had to deal with not just what I've had to deal with. Like I have some trauma from getting bullied and stuff. I can get into that later, but yeah, trauma is very complex and it's so fucking annoying and it pops up all the time. And it's really hard to get over it. But so you're in college. Had you had any official mental health diagnoses up to this point? I definitely have blown through a few psychiatrists, just okay. useless, cold, sterile psychiatrists, mm. dry, just kind of make you feel like a, this cattle coming in and out. Um, so you didn't really care. I think I was probably on some antidepressants here and there. I tried like all of them, Zoloft. What mm. are, what are they? What how many? I mean, at least seven. Mm-hmm. I've been through. Yeah, yeah, and I had periods of stability because of friends or structure. Like going to a job for the first year was good. The second year was like, okay, this is not. This is horrible, but it makes you reroute. And so I just quit that fucking job. And I was like, okay, what can I do? I have a child psych degree. I was, yeah, I was like, I have, I counted the seconds until I could quit that job. <laughs> I, I just didn't just walk out. Like I wanted a job reference or something. I don't know. Yep. Yep. But I was just like, what do I do now? I have a child psych degree. And I was like, well, kids. Okay, fine. I'll just nanny part-time. And then I ran into a friend who, uh, at, at Cowboy Jacks in Bloomington, Minnesota. Hey. Yeah. Good times. And she's like, hey, I go to karaoke. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, you know, that's been on my mind for some reason. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And serendipitously. And then we started going to karaoke like three, four nights a week. Okay. But it, I mean, that first time I had to have five, six drinks in me before I went up there. And uh, it was fucking, I almost puked before. (laughs) (laughs) It was fucking so thrilling, though. I sang Killing Me Softly, uh, the Fugees, Lauryn Hill. Yes. And I was like, okay, I think I actually love performing. I was in show choir, and this came back full circle. And that was like another safety net that kept me going. Yeah. Um, That was like just past mid-20s 
Okay. Um, periods of stability. Um, still not functioning like other people that I'm looking around, <laughs> like who have full time jobs and like make money, and like are starting to have kids and houses mm. and things. So there's a little bit of shame there, and yeah, and mood thing. I had mood things going on still. I just always had mood things. I don't know. So yeah, like mid twenties. Okay, we got through that, I guess. Late twenties, some relationships in there. Good. S- still doing this performing thing. Twenty thirteen, I I DJed. That was fun. Okay. And then I saw this variety show, and I uh, was in this dance contest, and I won. And I was like, and then they gave me a bike for it, like this like limited edition bike wow and and i forgot to tell you i won a karaoke contest and there was like three rounds and i'm not bragging it's just those points in your life that you realize okay this is something i love yeah i i have to go off the beaten path and pursue it i have to see where it goes and so those are moments that those are reasons for me to keep going through all the shit. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I was stable. I guess I was, but it gets interesting, man. <laughs> I know. Because like, yeah. I know your story. No, and so yeah. I'm like, okay, we're, yeah. we are building. And again, yeah. like you said, so many parallels with your life and my life. Yeah. Different vices, but Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you said yeah. we're 2013. Yep. yep. You, you we're I feel like we're at we're at a high, which means there's an inevitable low coming. Oh, you got it, girl. Uh, Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle in. <laughs> Buckle up, kids. It's gonna be a rough ride. It's gonna get interesting. Don't worry. I always deliver, Amanda. I love it. I love it. I'm, I was blowing past the good stuff, and I know people like the gritty stuff. So, well, again, yeah. crispy—that's what your podcast is all about: yep. being yep. crispy and getting down to that nitty gritty and the stuff that people don't want to talk about. And I love it. Yeah, the dark and the light within mm. always. Um, so, yeah, I started this show. Um, it's a hip hop variety show. At the time, I didn't know it was going to be for kids, but, but like it, I had to go big or go home. Like I took some credit card money and I spent a fuck ton of money on this premiere and starting the show and paying people. It had like a fashion show. I had openers. I had like our show. We had to make all these dance moves. We had to create like I took stuff my karaoke songs that I knew mixed them in with some original song I don't know how it happened honestly it was like I think I was that was my first hypomanic borderline manic episode Mm. I had all this energy and all this like uh uh what do you call kind of grandiose thinking Mm -hmm. this is gonna blow up this is gonna be big I mean so, but that's what I needed to start something. You need a little bit of self-deluded thinking. Yep. That's what creatives, I think, have. They have yes. that. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a gift and a curse. So like the gift part of it is I created this beautiful show. I still have it. I, I still believe it's like on its way to doing mm. some, done some great things. 
great. But, okay, what goes up goes down, though. A big, a big up, unfortunately, most of the time leads to a crash. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So I I crashed into a very big depression. Like, Mm -hmm. I realized my credit cards, I have to pay those off. (laughs) $20,000 later. Mm. Oh, I told my dad, and he goes, that is so unbelievably reckless what you did. Oof. And I go, I know. And he's like, you have to move home. Mm. Get You have to move out of your fancy little uptown apartment that I made my own. I painted mm. it. I had furniture. I felt it had a balcony. And I felt, oh. I felt independent for the first time in my life. Yeah. I had lived with my parents the, my whole 20s. And I was like, I'm finally out. But then because of all this financial trouble I created for myself, I had to paint over my beautiful paint, paint it white again, ask my friend to help me move out. It was devastating. I haven't talked about this in a while, actually. It was such a dark time. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like the first major crash besides that San Francisco situation. I remember bawling on the floor of my bathroom because I had so many problems. Mm. Yeah. It's like driving a, I always picture, I don't know why a Volkswagen, but like, okay, you have all your problems in your back seat and like you're driving in a Volkswagen. I love it. You, you slam on the brakes or you start going down a hill. Yep. And all your shit flies forward. And that's what it felt like. Oh. All your problems follow you everywhere you go. If you're not addressing the core problem that there's some, I learned maybe some bipolar going on. Just a little. Just a little. Uh, a little. Okay. My my metaphor that I always think of is, you know, when you're stuffing a suitcase and you're just putting more and more in the suitcase and it's fine once you get it to close, but when you open it the next time, whoo, everything flies out. That's what yeah. I think about is, okay, I'm just going to stuff it. I'm going to stuff it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to zip it up. But then inevitably, I'm going to need to unpack. And that's when. <laughs> Explosion. <laughs> or the zippers break. You're not yeah. even. You can't you even keep it, it in anymore. You don't want to open it. No. You just, the zippers break. <laughs> or TSA rifles through it when you don't give them permission. You know, people are like, yeah. hey, what's going on? How you doing over there? <laughs> yeah. You realize it affects everything, but you don't. It takes so many episodes to really. It's such a beast and it's mm-hmm. so complex and it's so relentless that it you just don't understand it. It takes so many episodes and so many, whatever, denial. Yeah. Just, just Anger, like, acceptance, anger, yeah. the whole grieving process. Yeah. So yeah. you're having these episodes. You've already hinted at this bipolar diagnosis. At what point did you start officially getting these diagnoses and how has your life changed since then? It's so weird you're at asking these perfect prompting questions. <laughs> it's like you've done this before. 
<laughs> yeah, what are you at? 45 episodes? Like, definitely something I aim for. <laughs> no, that's so perfect. Yeah, this was a turning point in my like treatment journey. I uh, crashed so bad that I had to, I did, I had no structure in my life. I had nothing. I couldn't work or do shit. Like, I was so. Mm decrepit mentally so my parents are like well you got to move home you need to figure out like you need treatment like this is you're ill you're mentally ill it's okay we're gonna get you help so I just called my insurance and I needed to go I went to um it's like a partial treatment program like okay a partial outpatient yeah yeah day treatment, day treatment. so I go like tw- no, three, 15 hours a week, like three hours a day. And they, you know, they just, it's just a safe place to go. I think that's really the main point mm-hmm. of it. But you do, you get a counselor, you get a psychiatrist, you get like a group, you learn skills and a lot of the stuff like I did know. Yeah. I, I do. With your psych background. Yeah. 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 I, but it's, it's, it was good. I would be, I would dress up for it. I remember. <laughs> Cute. People would think like, "Do you work here?" And I was like, "No, I'm a no. patient." Hello, <laughs> it's me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I wanted to. I wanted to get it, man. I really did. But that's that's when I met my psychiatrist, who I still have today. <gasps> okay. If, if you're any of your listeners happen to live, no, you don't have to live in Minneapolis anymore. That's the good thing about COVID, is it's opened up everything remote so you can have access to anybody in the whole world so my psychiatrist is at prairie care um based out of woodbury minnesota and they fucking care like she gives me an hour of her time and she like yeah get to know my brain and like what's going on and so that's where she didn't even tell me about the bipolar piece she told me when i was ready is but i'm like shouldn't you have told me (laughs) i don't know i don't know but what? I just thought it was depression and anxiety uh-huh. for years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. For years. So I don't really, and I don't remember what I did the end of my twenties. I just still live with my parents. I still had episode, like just depressive episodes. I remember the summers were the worst. Isn't mm. that weird? You would think it would be the opposite because a lot of people <laughs> go through seasonal depression. And when the sunlight goes away and you're in the cold, dreary months, that's when a lot of people experience depression. So that you're right. That is interesting that for you, it was during the summer. <laughs> is that when structure went away? Like I'm thinking about school, you know, and semesters in college and high school, like your structure leaves during the summer. Yep. Yep. That's when the depression creeps in. I I would have reversed sad. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I've always had that high school and in my twenties, college, like, yeah, the structure went away and I just didn't think ahead to get an internship or like a job really. So and then all the sun and the stimulus and like the pressure to go out and be happy and like make make plans with your friends. And I just didn't have those skills because the foundation wasn't there. Like the happiness and self-love and acceptance, just none of that was there because you're just trudging through mental illness. You don't have a foundation. You don't, you're not 
like you don't feel crispy that outside <laughs> yep life isn't there because the inside is so fucked up yeah yeah and it, and it's not your fault and that is a big part of the process too is realizing yeah. that it's not necessarily anything you did wrong it's just the way your body was made and the way that your brain functions thank you I, I mean that enough of that hearing that you know yeah, what I mean I'm I'm right there <laughs> I'm right there with you friend I am right there so you go to this outpatient program you get like a psychiatrist that you love and is listening to you and cares about you what if you don't mind sharing have you officially now been diagnosed with bipolar 2 okay yeah the soft guy besties <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Me too, queen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now this changes the dynamic. <laughs> I, can I ask you, what, <laughs> what can you tell me, like, what is it like for you? Because I haven't talked to that many people with it. It is enlightening now that I know. And just hearing you talk about your whole life. And the ups and the downs and the structure, I'm just like, yep, check, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's so validating. It's so validating to meet someone else with bipolar, one, and then with bipolar, two, because it is a completely different beast than bipolar, one. And it has been an adjustment, but now being on the other side of the diagnosis and being on the right meds, my life has completely changed, and I can understand the way my brain works and cope through that and actually live. I'm actually living now. That's what the point of all of this is, is that before I was just surviving and distracting myself enough to get to the next phase. And now I'm actually able to live my life and be a part of it instead of convincing everyone else that I'm participating in it. No, I learned that wording from you. You are participating in your own life. Like your life is has been there for you, like what it could be. Mm -hmm. And you're like, reach for it. You don't know how to, other people are, have their lives and they're taking pride in their jobs and they're, they're a part of like a running group. They do yeah. marathons. Fuck those people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Literally I'm my husband. Kidding. My husband. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love fuck? him. I love him so much, but it is interesting being married to a partner that doesn't struggle with mental illness. Like he has his bad days. He has his off days, but a sad day for him. He's like, I'm just going to go run. That'll cure it. And I'm just like, I don't boggles my yeah. mind. I think once you get on the other side, yeah, where you have the diagnosis, you fucking finally find your like treatment methods and your all the shit you have to do. Then, all right, your maintenance is yeah. in play okay, exercise does help. Running is okay for me. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. I found one sport like lacrosse and now yeah. I'm trying hockey, like massive, like intensive exercise once a week can flip your brain from like a depression mm -hmm. to like almost like a, you're almost a little manic. You're, 
like stimulated and it's good for you. You know, yeah. you're blowing, blowing out all the shit and you're waking up if you're like moving too slow or if you're too anxious, mm-hmm. it like really helps blow some steam. Well, uh, that, that shit helps. Like that's your does. maintenance, but to get you when you're in it though, and you're in a depression, I just like board up the windows and just wait it out. And just nothing fucking helps like moving. That's, that's the fate. The next phase I went into, like, that's when, oh, I had a, and I had a little bit of a good old drinking problem. Mm. Well, Um, that's, that is a symptom (laughs) of bipolar is we have these manic or mania phases, which with bipolar two is really just bringing us up to normal person functioning level because uh-huh. we live in the depressive state. So then when we have depressive episodes, it's that much deeper than mm-hmm. what a depression is. But when we have these manic episodes, it brings us to normal everyday human and maybe a little bit higher to where we're high functioning, high achieving, extroverted clean our entire house one day and we do creative very creative really creative yeah super creative entrepreneur i'm gonna start a new business today i'm gonna write a whole book i'm gonna create my website and those are our waves and what i found is with the medication it just helps bring us to this normalcy line Mm -hmm. to where when we do have dips or we do have jumps they're a little bit more regulated. <laughs> yeah. If like, it is like ways it's, it's like, um, when I was in the depression, like, yeah, you're, oh, it's like, uh, I have a lot of metaphors for it. It feels like, um, so you can tell when you're sliding down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a mud, like a steep slope. You're you're on like a normal slope, and then you start slipping to this this very deep the angle slope, you know. And there's mud, and you're starting to lose your grip, and and now you're sliding, uh-huh. and now you're sliding more and faster. And then now there's like a precipice yeah. <laughs> down into an abyss that, and then you you are circling kind of the drain. Like that's another one you can. See the see the sink. You're like, oh shit, and then I'm you there. start circling. And then when you get down, it's so dark and so lonely. And then getting up, back up to where you see light again. And sometimes you don't even want to see light. You just you're drawing the shades. You don't you don't think it's even possible. But getting up to where you can see light again and see hope is such a a colossal effort. Mm-hmm. It is. That's the horrible side of this. It is a fucking brain disorder. Mm-hmm. It's so confusing. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. Ah! So personally for me, you're talking about those like precursors to an inevitable crash. For me, I have noticed those like moments that my body starts cueing me like, oh, hey, we're trending to a not good place. And I found what works for me is scheduling self-care so once I start feeling it slipping again I communicate with Kevin my husband and I'm like hey 
I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not feeling so good. And we talk and I'll start setting alarms in my phone. 9 a.m. Did you brush your teeth yet? 10 a.m. Did you eat something yet? 11 a.m. And I just start setting these alarms in my phone to remind me just at a complete bare minimum, the things I need to do to exist. And then that helps me get back into a routine and get back on track. And after a week or so of doing that, then, okay, exercise. Okay, go for a walk outside. And do you have anything that helps you once you realize that you're trending downward to help bring yourself back up? That's a really good, those are good tips. Yeah. Um, giving yourself structure again. Um, you know, what, <laughs> uh, once I hit my thirties, um, and I went off my meds one time without telling my psychiatrist, I don't suggest doing that. I was gonna say, I bet they were pissed at you. <laughs> she was very patient with me. Wow. She's like, okay, we're gonna have to do some. We're gonna do some rehab. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I went off because I wanted to trip on magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Avery, I know, I know. What a dum dum. But it was. One of the most like profound experiences of my life. A learning experience. Learning. We can learning. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it was fucked up. It was a mix of like a boyfriend being like being against pharmaceutical medication. Oof. And uh I just was like a codependent like person. I was just like, well, I'm gonna go off of it. And that that cued these dark depressions. Mm. And to answer your question, when I was in those episodes. My coping me mechanism was honestly nothing worked. Mm. Nothing. Um, it was boarding up the windows, waiting out the storm. That's how bad they were. Mm. So bad, so so bad. Um, and then it would, and then it would pass. It always passed. Um, adopting a couple attitudes, if if like your listeners get like I did. Yeah. Um, okay. The at, like a couple attitudes, like it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. This is happening to you. This is happening. It's okay. You're, you're a good person. This is just happening to you. It will pass. It always passes. Mm -hmm. It does. The tides turn. The storm has to pass. And the other one is like, okay, <laughs> probably the first one should be, okay, get in touch with your, your team. Yeah. See what can be done with meds. Like there is usually some tweaking that can happen. Um, mine was three years of hell though. It, mm. it was, and yeah, it was just, it's tough when you have bipolar, apparently you're not supposed to be on any antidepressants. Yes, because oh, yeah. what my psychiatrist explained to me, which is how I actually got diagnosed, is my primary physician just kept upping my depression meds, mm -hmm. and I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And she was like, but you're on the max dose of Zoloft. You should be seeing sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to get out of my bed. If I'm not in public walking around with people around me, I'm sobbing. 
that's how bad we are is I have to just go into public so that I don't cry all day. That's how bad we are. And so finally, I got referred to a psychiatrist. And what she explained to me is with bipolar is it's literally two poles. And if you only treat one pole, the other pole is going to skew completely out of whack. And she's like, that's typically how bipolar patients get diagnosed is they're upping their depression meds and it's making things way worse. And she's like, you have to treat all areas of your brain. And because you have depression, anxiety, ADD, PTSD, and bipolar too, we have to treat all of it. Or else if we just treat one, it's going to skew everything. Well, and it's like, uh, yeah, I love our psychiatrist explained to us. <laughs> mine would, she would like do write diagrams. Ooh, and they love like, diagrams and flow charts. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she would really give me a lot of metaphors. Uh-huh. And, and it was actually pretty fun to see her. Yeah, um, it would, she would explain, yeah, if you <laughs> have... If you're bipolar and you have uh, antidepressants, it uh, it just overloads the brain, speeds things up uh-huh. so fast that your brain just ha- crashes. It just can't take it anymore. What goes up will- goes down kind of thing. And I just didn't believe her for a long time. Like, I'm not bipolar. <laughs> no. Not. I was on... I was on, like, a high dose of antidepressants, too, Um effects her and she said effects her is the strongest dose it's a double-edged sword and she said something about your brain chemistry just changed mm. when you went off your meds and you just I could not get back I had to change the regimen mm. but yeah apparently you're not supposed to be on antidepressants you're most you're supposed to be on like lithium which is the gold standard for a mood regulator yep or like a more gentle cousin of that is lamictal mm-hmm. um i have to be on both of those apparently okay I just ate like if you're on more than two meds just what the fuck you know it's girl i'm on four <laughs> i'm on a yeah. cocktail going on right now but yeah yep it's working and i feel yep. great so i'm gonna keep going with that and it, there has been periods of adjustment and trial and error but I'm going good so far. So, you know. Well, you have a podcast, you have a kids show, you or kids book. You have uh, like a million entrepreneurial pursuits. You're That's the bipolar. That's the funny thing. <laughs> now, looking back, I'm like, I did an interview the other day and they called me a serial entrepreneur and I was like, "Ouch." And then I looked back and I was like, oh my God, I am. Oh my God. (laughs) And I look back at these moments and I'm like, oh yeah, that's the mania. Okay. All right. I just channeled it in creativity. I I channeled it into something that can be seen as good and productive in society. But in reality, it was me about to burn out because I was chasing that high of serotonin. Well, the the hypomania is so is great. Mm-hmm. It feels like you don't have to drink or do drugs. You just exist in this um like you're vibing out with it's probably what people that don't I realize people who don't have brain disorders. It's probably what they, they feel like all the time. Yes. yes. Yep. And they that's feel why, like that all the yeah. time. 
They just wake up and they don't have to take meds and they just were born with a brain that works. And they just exist. And they just, they do their thing. They live life. They have friends. They have hobbies. They love their job. They have self-confidence. It's because their brain works. You know, they have a foundation. What is that? What? <laughs> yeah. What's it, what is that? Like, we, I had to fight so hard to be here. Mm. And you, I was going to say to you, too, that you are like just a shining example of hope like cuz you made it to the other side. Oh. You I'm, know? I'm yeah. still I'm still fighting and clawing and I I've gotten to a place where I feel great, but now my husband and I are in the process of talking family planning and my psychiatrist Aww. is like yeah, the meds you're on like oh. that makes that complicated and we're going to have to have conversations because it crosses the placenta the first trimester. And so we're going to have to talk if you want to stay on and risk birth defects or come off and risk you. And so it's like, yeah, it got to this place, but life still comes at you. And that's why I found it's great to build that support system that understands you and accepts you, all of you, so that they can help you navigate the inevitable moments that life isn't going to go according to plan. <sighs> that is, that's got to be so hard. Like I'm getting anxiety just listening to that. <laughs> like, because yeah, what a decision. And, uh, I know that I don't even, I can't, I'm not there to even navigate that, mm-hmm. but that's gotta be so, so hard. I, I say that to encourage you that again, like the theme of this podcast, it seems like my life is all sunshine and rainbows, uh-huh. but really there's, there's still stuff that I'm navigating daily. And it's, that's why it's so encouraging to talk to other people like you and another guest that I've had on that shared about her bipolar diagnosis. And it's like, when I interviewed her, I didn't even know I had it at that point. And it was nice just mm-hmm. listening to her and relating, but then still being in denial. I'm like, oh, I relate to that, but hmm, not that bad. And then finally getting my diagnosis and re-listening to that episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I really am. And so it's so validating to talk to you and hear your story. And just thank you so much for sharing and getting into the gritty and really open about it well I mean that's why I started this pod, my podcast because I mean my dad was like you have a lot of emotions and like you have some insights maybe you should start a podcast and I don't know I just when you go through hell and you get out of it I still I'm very fresh from getting out of like mm-hmm. my hell of three years I really am still and it's you could fall at any time. Like you have to be on top of it constantly. Um, But like life can get really good actually. Like Mm -hmm. I found a really nice person I'm dating and like things are like still, I mean, yeah, he wants a family and I'm like, okay, well that's not going to happen for a long time. And (laughs) you're like, Hey, let me, let me figure out me. Okay. Yeah. I just got here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just arrived. At my own life. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. So yeah, there's some, it's so, it's so, um, 
it's so extreme what you go through that it almost is on purpose. <laughs> like it's almost feels like, and that's where I develop my spirituality because mm. you, you have to, and if you're going through that, you have to find meaning that's the survival part of you. Mm-hmm. Like there, like this 1% of me wanted to survive even even you don't think there's anything on the other side for you. You're like, I'm just, why even get out of bed? It's fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. But there is that percentage of you that's like, okay, maybe this is like for a reason. There, like, there, maybe there is a God, you know, and uh, maybe, maybe, you know, <laughs> like you're just living in a maybe for a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's why I started the podcast for like that because the dark, in you it's so dark that there's got to be like a bright light in you as well Mm -hmm. and there's got to be like the crispy is the gritty side like you have to you go inward you go into the darkness you go you've got a dim lantern that's all you have Mm -hmm. you're going into the dark forest and you do run into saving graces and and people and animals and experiences that show you the way or give you encouragement. And, and that's what keeps you going through this darkness. And you don't know when it is going to end. You don't know. Um, but, and then you do see like a little light and you're like, huh, well, you do see some cool shit along the way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh, maybe there is a plan here. Maybe. And that's what keeps you going. Mm. And then you kind of, you see sunshine again and you see maybe a rainbow. And hey. Yeah. <laughs> and then you decorate your room like you have. Oh my going, gosh. You know, it's yeah. clearly like there's happiness there. Uh, yeah. And then you arrive and you figure out like, oh, okay, this is how life works. Okay. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. I have, okay, it wasn't my fault. Mm. It's just something I went through for some reason. Oh, maybe, maybe now you can go help people and tell people about it. And yeah. Yes. And then it's like, okay, maybe there's like a million other people doing that too. Like a bunch of mental health podcasts. No, (laughs) there is not enough people talking about it. Not enough. But you have your unique story and your humor and, and yes, everyone needs their own like brand of person to talk to them about mental illness. So like you could be that person and and that's what keeps you, that's what like gets you out of bed is like, all right, I was, I'm here for a reason. I went through that darkness Mm. and just shit. And I have to, I have to tell, I have to talk about it because there's a lot of people that have gone through that. And that's what saves lives. Yes. Liter- l- literally. Yes. Yeah. You have a duty. You have a duty now, an honor and a mission to go out there and do it. And talking to you right now is like, all right, I got to keep outreaching and keep my podcast going because it's been on the back burner, girl, because of other things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's fucking inspiring to be on here. Oh. It's yeah. in, it's inspiring yeah. to talk to you. Like I said, just to relate to someone else and that 
after processing and going through all the emotions with my diagnosis, it's really become a mission for me. And this is the first time I've been saying it out loud to someone that's not my family, but it's so great just talking to you and I'm ready to share and just help someone out there who probably felt like I did in those moments and you did in those moments. And it's a miracle that I made it through because there were days that I didn't want to. And I just want to help someone have the tools to keep moving forward, whether it's to find the right psychiatrist or therapist or just avenues to get to a diagnosis that's going to help them because they're not, they're not alone. And yeah, the media, I feel like mental health has come a long way and where we have successfully destigmatized depression, anxiety. And honestly, I don't have a friend that's not on antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds <laughs> because that's I, after the past two years that we went through, yeah. I don't know a person really without some type of anxiety. And so yeah. now I feel like, okay, we did good work there. Well, we got more to do. And there's a lot more disorders that are very stigmatized. And bipolar is a big one that's very stigmatized. And well, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, go for it. it. It's a heavy hitter. Yeah. So, like when you. <laughs> like I, like people I cringe understand. when they hear it. They're yeah, like, oh. They fucking cringe because people think of, no offense, the bipolar one, which is more extremes. The. I have a family member who it it affected me a lot. And so I have a shit ton. Now I'm over it of resentment because mm. of all the damage it does. Mm. I mean, like you attempt suicide more. You um, you have you have less self-awareness because mm-hmm. um, it's so it overtakes your brain so much. Mm-hmm. And the highs are so high that you go out and you have sex with everyone or like you spend more money or I I almost, I probably had a, like a pseudo mania with the starting the show and spending all that money, but it had to be done in order to start something big. Mm-hmm. It played a role. It did play mm-hmm. a role, but yeah, bipolar one is always what people think of. Um, but that can be treated too. Yeah. Like and mm-hmm. like I, this person in my family who had it real bad, he suffered so bad from it. It, it did a lot of damage, Yeah. but now he's mellowed out a mm. fuck ton because of Zyprexa and lithium. And he is much happier and mellowed out and it's, it's treatable mm-hmm. totally, but it's a heavy hitter. It is. And, <laughs> and I hard, feel like hard. the media even, like the Katy Perry song, Hot and Cold, A Love Bipolar. And I feel like the media throws around, even the other day, there was a news story about, oh, well, he suffered from mood disorders and he was off his meds. And it's just like, hey, wait a second, <laughs> you know? And yes, obviously, meds are great and we should continue taking them. But Having these mood disorders and these brain disorders doesn't make you a bad person. And I think that's what it all comes back to is it's not your fault. It's the way your brain was made. Yes, you have choices and decisions to make to keep you as a good human or a not great human. But fundamentally, having these mood disorders is not a bad thing. (laughs) You know, it can be harnessed. Mm -hmm. It can be harnessed. 
it plays a part. Um, I almost think, here's what I think bipolar people are potentially modern day healers and shamans. Ooh. Yep. Or shamans, shamans. Yeah. Um, shamans were people in the community, like, you know, like a village that they would go out into, <laughs> go out into the woods and like look crazy and just flip out and dance. And then they come back into the community and share what they learned and do healing work. Mm. Um, it's because of their extremes. The mania and hypomania is a, it is a spiritual experience. It totally is. And I get glimpses of that. Um, but when I was really in a hypomania, I was like hyper connected to a creator, higher power kind of thing where as average happy people get a get a consistent vibe to happiness, but maybe they don't it doesn't spill over into that realm that's mm. like shit gets really interesting and really good where you're almost in a different dimension. Yeah. You almost are. And it's like this blessing. But but when it tips back and it goes the opposite way, it's a it's a total curse, and you would give you would give up the highs if it would make it not the lows. Mm. Um, but with meds, though, you can you can have a happy medium. Oh you yeah. Can. Oh yeah. You can still have a functioning life and be a wildly creative person, and you can harness and tap into that realm you're more in control now you're much more in control but it needs a for me i need a shit ton of counseling and therapy and healers around me mm -hmm. like i wanted to share with your i don't know what your like recovery i have two questions for you okay yeah okay i don't know how much how much time girl keep talking Keep we go talking. However, yeah, I've got time. I, okay, um, this is so healing for me. By the way, I don't know. I just Same. haven't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We have a good vibe. Like mm -hmm. I, we have to keep in touch. I want to get updates from Florida and all your crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> I literally. Okay, side note. I went for a run. <laughs> I went for a run the other day because I'm training for a half marathon, and um. Wow. I ran past a seven foot alligator. He was across the pond and I was just like, oh man, Avery, I thought about you because you're like, <laughs> what? What do you mean you have alligators in your backyard? And I was just like, oh, Avery would flip her shit right now. <laughs> I love how it's so laissez-faire to like, oh, a seven foot alligator. No big deal. I'm like that is scary as fuck. <laughs> You see the teeth on those things? Like, do they do they move fast? Yes. Don't they? Yes. Oh. Yes. They oh. run very fast. But he was on the opposite side, and it was it was like fifty degrees outside, so he didn't like they're reptiles, so they need the heat to be able to function, and so his only concern was getting the sunshine. So still scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we also pause and talk about how you're training for a half marathon? <laughs> It's a, it's a goal. It was a goal of mine before 30 to do a half marathon. And Aww. I turned 29 in January, so I'm a year ahead. But yeah, that's a goal. Wow. 
see that's crispy as fuck to me <laughs> i i would it started the term started in my mid-20s with those friends at the corporate job mm-hmm. i don't regret it because i met them and i would we go out and party on the weekends have a great time but i'd have hangovers and mm-hmm. and i would just look at these people that like what you're doing that are running on the weekends training for things seeing friends and whatever and i go God, that's just so like, when I was, it was the fall, you know, when things are oh, crisp. And, yeah, like the leaves. You know, pumpkin spice. And mm. I was just like, that's, that's just so, it's just so crispy. And that's when, that's when the coin, you know, I termed it. But love what that. you're doing is so fucking crispy. And you, and you are boggled by the fact that you're here and doing that too. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's been a journey. It has been been a journey the good one and you've arrived before 30 i'm 35 and i cross my fingers i don't ever go back into the hell of three years like instability i yes i've arrived i have a lot of work to Mm -hmm. do and a lot of a lot of work but i'm 35 and i feel like i've lost years to it but you can't think that way Mm -hmm. You have to like put a different lens on it and be like, everybody's on their own timeline. Yes, 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 yes. I'm a big proponent of everyone's in their own time zone. So right now you're in a completely different time zone of me, like logically speaking, because of where we are in the United States. But that doesn't mean just because I'm ahead of you that I'm actually ahead of you. So think about it that way, that everyone has their own time zone in life. And just because... I'm doing something at 28 and you're doing something at 35. It has no effect on anyone else because that is your time zone. That's what you're living in. And you don't need to compare yourself to everyone else because you're on your own journey. I have, I suffer with bad comparison stuff, especially like other bands and like just other people. I don't envy people with kids and houses and marriages just because I've never, that's not my path. I yeah. don't desire that. Um, some people do, and that's great. You know, it's just, I desire entrepreneurial stuff and I, I don't have a desire to have kids. Yeah. I don't, but you do get an itch. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have a desire to have a relationship until late twenties. Mm-hmm. And now I see the wildly great benefits of being in a monogamous relationship or just anyone like a partner that helps you along your journey you don't have to think of it as a linear monogamous titled thing Mm -hmm. it's just a person in your life that's going to hike with you and show you but going back what were we talking about before you said you said you had questions for me Which I think is funny because it's my podcast, Avery. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Oh, oh, but so- I'll allow it. <laughs> I feel weird talking the whole, like about myself the whole time. I think that's just like, you know, a worry in my mind. Like, I oh. I love it, but I'm happy to contribute. I'm happy to share. Okay, I wrote down my notes. What are your What are your What were or are your ups and downs? Like your cycles. How long are they? And like. What do they kind of look like for you? I'm just curious mm. as a fellow. So pre-getting 
diagnosed because I've I've only been diagnosed since September. So it's only been a couple months for me. So again, you're like, oh, you're on the other side. And I'm just like, yeah, or in the honeymoon phase, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but you are. You are. pre getting diagnosed. It, it They would come in like years, like it wasn't like a week up, a week down. Like I look at all of high school and that was just a down, just slope trending down. And I, <laughs> I'm just really good at faking my outward appearance to people. Um, I'm the oldest sibling, very high achiever, Enneagram three Capricorn. So a lot of my personality traits are I'm going to be the best and I'm going to distract myself with other people's problems. That way I don't have to face my own. And that worked for me. It worked really well. So I was like the fixer friend, the mom friend. And so even though I was feeling awful, I could focus on other people's problems and fixing them. And that brought me joy and like helping other people. And so high school was really rough period for me in college. Just like you, I just distracted myself and tried to overstimulate myself as much as possible. So that way I didn't have to think about what was going on inside. Um, there were definitely dips there as well too and then after graduating I didn't really realize that it was actually these swings until I got laid off from my job two two and a half years ago now and that was the moment that structure stopped for me and that's why when you were talking about your life and structure I was going back and I was like wow I had rigorous too much structure until I got laid off and I was fine when things were in my control. But the moment it was out of my control, that's when everything came crashing down for me. And instead of addressing it, I just distracted myself all over again and like started the cycle all over again until the pandemic started and I got furloughed, essentially laid off again. And that's when it was like, all right, we're back here in the same spot. We got to figure out what's going wrong because Everyone else is fine. And I'm here just like slipping, slipping, slipping. Um, But I haven't, it's hard because I can't, I don't know that I can identify like actual ups and downs because it just felt like I was down the entire time. But ups were just what I thought were personality traits. Oh, I'm creative. Oh, I'm an extrovert. Oh, I can do these entrepreneurial things. But now I'm realizing, yes, that is things that I like, but it's also part of my disorder too. And so that has been interesting now to look back and see that there were ups in that down, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I could, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I can relate. It's mostly down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really I'm just sucks. like, I don't know. Like the ups are so few and far between the. Yeah. And I didn't even really think of them as ups because it was just overly creative. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm really creative. I just painted my whole room today and made all these decorations. <laughs> you know? Hypomania is a fucking blast. I, it's yeah. like a party. Yeah. You're in a, you, music is so rich and you get into things. But yeah, it's hard to like sleep at night though. Your brain is 
like edgy. I got to go down on my antidepressants or or drink less coffee because I can't fall asleep mm. for like hours. Mm. And then sleep, if your sleep gets fucked up. Then, then your whole, up. and that was my yep. problem is yeah. that because I was distracting myself so much with work and then the PTSD that I was going through, I had, I was suffering really badly from compassion fatigue and burnout at my job and compassion fatigue leads to PTSD. Um, and with all of that, then I was starting to experience night terrors. So then I'm avoiding oh. falling asleep, but then when I do fall asleep, my brain is literally attacking me in my sleep. So then I'm not sleeping. So then even though I'm trying to work out, my body is not like it just it my whole circadian rhythm was off. My body was not functioning because I wasn't sleeping. So the moment I started meds and actually started sleeping, I kid you not, I woke up and was like, oh my God, this Uh is what living is like. This is what sleeping is like. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like a well lubricated brain finally Mm -hmm. versus like, it's like sparking. It's so it's like malfunctioning. You can feel it in your head that just something is not right. Like mm-hmm. it's like an engine that is out of oil. Yeah. Well, you know? and it, what you brought up earlier about how you don't have the desire to have kids and a family. I, I get that because that was me in college and up until very recently because I knew that not everyone had to be living the way I was living because in my brain there wouldn't be that many people living because I didn't really feel like living and my deepest darkest and I was like okay so something's different about me now I think something's wrong with me I don't one think I can't even take care of myself at this point so how am I going to be expected to take care of someone else yep And what if I'm so broken and something's so wrong with me that I give it to them? Yeah. And that was a whole thing in therapy that I had to learn that, no, you're not broken. You're the one seeking help. You are a healthy bipolar person because you are bipolar. You're taking your meds and you're in therapy. You know, you are processing through it. And even though there are unhealthy bipolar people, there are also unhealthy people that don't even have a mental disorder. And I had to go through this whole process of now thinking that my bipolar is my superpower. And I am so empathetic. I feel things so deeply because I experience these highs and these lows. And that's what makes me an incredible friend and human and wife because I feel things so deeply. And I've had to train my thinking to be like, okay, it's not what's wrong with me. It's what's right with me. And I am higher evolved. And you know what? This is my specialty, my superpowers. One more thing that makes me more unique than the average person walking down the road. And that has really helped me in the healing process for sure. That's a super freaking healthy thing. I can tell you processed through it and uh, yeah, like made it to that other side. And you put that positive healing lens on things you know it you have to you have to oh you have to in order to survive you have to um 
Yeah, I know my um <clears throat> my cycles were so extreme. Like they I related to like they'd be kind of years long mm-hmm. or just like a few months mm-hmm. or like three months, the summer of depression, any day of a little bit of a depression is fucking hell. Mm-hmm. Like it is shitty. Mm-hmm. Any on the spectrum, nobody's like worse or less. Just any amount of depression is hell. Mm-hmm. Like let's just say that. But I would have different levels of it over the years, but the last three years were very unique mm. and that it would be like two weeks on two weeks off mm. one week on one week off mm. for three years mm. it would be so opposite that it was almost on purpose it was almost like then there was nothing I could do to stop it unless like we couldn't really go down on my antidepressants because I kind of needed them yeah. to speed up yeah but also it's causing a ping pong effect yep and then you slowly, okay, okay. But I don't know. And I wanted to share like the recovery process for me because people are probably like, well, how did you get out of it? Yeah, or, no, I would love if you have advice for anyone that feels like as they're listening to this, like, oh, Avery and Amanda, I think, uh-huh. I, think I feel like you. I think I relate too. <laughs> yeah, well, the way out of hell is... uh is different for everyone like the only way through hell is like is walking through it you know you don't stop I read that in in some somebody's book it was just like the only way through is like through just don't stop it's um, reminding me of that country song I'm so sorry to interrupt you but it's like tell me if you're going through hell keep <laughs> on going don't yeah. turn back if you're scared don't show it <laughs> Because you might get out for the devil even knows you're there. 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 Yep. Anyways, I don't know, but I will link it because that just perfectly. (laughs) No, we got to find out right now. If you're going through hell. It's probably like Rodney Atkins or something. Yes, it is. It is. Rodney Atkins. (laughs) That's the Texan in me coming out. I love it. Oh my God! Anyways, Southern girl, you Southern country girl. It's me. It's me. Okay, if you're so going through hell. Listen to that song. It's a that theme hook. song. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you let alone. <laughs> let alone, if you're going through hell, you do need to stop and rest. Like, just accept where you're at, and it's not your fault. Like, that have that attitude, and sometimes you do need to like stay in bed. that's okay like that's what's reality right now like try to watch netflix i was so bad that any media that i intook i would feel so like worse because it would remind me Mm. of the depression that i wasn't there it was so painful everything was so painful um it's like it's like having just chronic physical pain but it's in your brain Mm. it's just like emotional pain is so different it's exhausting it's exhausting. You have no energy. It's like you're leaking energy. You just have nothing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, let alone going to work. Fuck that. <clears throat> it's real. Like it's, it's, yeah, you can't, but so the way out for me was I felt suicidal every day mm. for like three months this year. It was like the final hurrah. Mm. Um, 
for this three-year kick. And uh, I was like, all right, well, suicide isn't an option because I can't do that. Mm. My family would, it would kill them. It would absolutely kill them. And I can't leave my show behind, my plants behind, like my dog. <sighs> yeah. Mm. Um. <laughs> so that wasn't an option. Yeah. And the only way, the only thing next is recovery. Mm -hmm. You have to find a way to claw yourself out of it. And, um, I, my, saw my psychiatrist that that's a good start. Yeah. Just make it to your psychiatry and then tell them what's going on. Um, try something new, mm -hmm. just try something that helps kind of gives you hope Yeah, that maybe this will help. Um, for me, like the, this last shitty 2021 people are like, Oh, 2020 was awful. And I was like, Nope, Nope. <laughs> January, January through March of 2021 ain't got nothing like mm. on right. 2020 ain't got nothing on 2021. Um, and I think it's because I went down on lithium and that's, it did something. Yeah. I don't know. So I went back on it. Great. But then it's not just meds. You have to fill your life with recovery things and structure. And so I was like, she was like, how about like, I give you some referrals to a new counselor and DBT. Oh DBT yeah. Group. Have you ever, have you ever heard of DBT? Uh-huh. Have you done it? No, but okay. I have heard that it's becoming more and more popular. Like it's gaining, like more and more people are practicing, which is cool. Let's see who started it. Martha, um, uh, Martha DBT, Martha Linhan. She's a psychologist and psychologist and uh, author. She had schizophrenia and she started dialectical behavioral therapy, like a whole program. Mm. And so I was like, whatever, I guess I'll try something. I had a little bit of it and then I just quit the group. Probably would have helped me if I stayed. But I'll just try it again. Hey, wasn't your path. <laughs> yeah. And this was a highly structured program. It wasn't an outpatient, but it was a weekly, year long with homework situation. And I was like, whatever, I don't have, I got to try something. And so I got in with a counselor. I liked her. I liked her. She was my age. That okay. was weird. That was a little weird. Um, having a counselor that's the same age. Yeah. Uh, definitely was like, well, I was hoping for an older counselor, but I'm too tired to search. She ended up being fucking awesome. And then I started the group. I'm still in it. And, uh, we, uh, it's just like listening to people check in for the first hour. And I was like, how is this going to help me at all? But in DBT, you talk about skills. It's like all about emotional regulation and mindfulness. Oh. So it's kind of like how to get to that. It's like a wise mind you want to be. Yeah. So I'm in emotional mind constantly. And, uh, once you get out of the shit, you, then you have a lot of work to do still. Like you, now you have a little bit of a stability, 
but now you you can't you shouldn't stop therapy you should keep going it's a foundation it's part of your foundation and so I think that helped get me to that out of that pit Mm. and back on to like dry land and then I was like okay I want to live again yeah my life is still has a lot of rebuilding and healing here that needs to be done but I can walk I can get on dry land now Mm. and since then it has not gotten worse it's gotten better it's gotten a lot better I am functioning better I like getting up I still have had some downs I have had some big emotional reactions to things I've had high anxiety Mm -hmm. but it is more manageable yeah it is it's fucking better and like I have more good days and bad days where as before it was all bad days Mm. wow yeah wow first of all thank you so much for sharing (laughs) a lot second of all (laughs) you are so worthy of all of those feelings that you're feeling now and third I would have missed you. And I know there's a lot of other people that are grateful and so happy that you're here. And I'm so proud of you for fighting, even though I didn't know you then. I'm proud of you. And I know that just by you sharing that, there are so many other people that feel seen and validated and heard. And personally me, I mean, I was there too. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to see all these incredible things that you continue to accomplish because you have accomplished some incredible things, not even accounting for your business and your podcast and your show and all the things that you're doing. Just the fact that you're here sitting here today is incredible. And thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and for being so raw. And yeah, I appreciate you. I, yeah, we, I wish we had met sooner, you know, cause like you're my friend now. Oh yeah. (laughs) We're besties. You have no choice. Uh, (laughs) we're bonded forever. (laughs) Yeah. I like shy, like, will you be my friend? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Nope. Yeah. You love, I love being on the show. I loved it. And I, uh, I hope you blow up. I hope you, like all your shit blows up. (laughs) Because you deserve it, one. You fucking, you earned it. You know, when you go through that and you fight for your life, even when you don't want to live. Yes. What the fuck? And then you get here and you're like training for a half marathon. You're living the life that you, yeah, you earned it. You deserve that shit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's a shit ton of hope. Hope is the real thing. Mm-hmm. Hope and faith, and get find find a reason to get up. Like yeah, find, like believe. Just pretend to believe that there is a plan for you. Yep. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Honestly, just keep believing, and the more you say it, the more your brain will believe it. You know. Well, post-it notes help me a lot. Okay. Small things like that 
I have post-it notes everywhere um, with like sayings and things I've picked up from people who have disabilities who survived it Mm. and things like that. And it does work. You look at it every day and you're like, okay, it just does do something subliminally to your brain. So you can, you can reprogram your brain. You can like untangle the wires Mm -hmm. that have been fucking sparking over the years and you can like smooth out your tracks in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Oh, Avery. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Mm. Cool. Well, I do want to give you an opportunity just to share where we can find you on the internet. If you would like to plug any of your social channels, your podcast, what you're up to, I will obviously link everything down in the episode notes. And for anyone that doesn't know where that is, if you click on see more in the description of the episode, you will see all the links and all of Avery and I's information down there at the bottom. That is awesome. Yeah. I, um, so it's, yeah, the crispy soul podcast. Uh, we also talk about mental health. Um, it's funny. It's humorous. It's about personal transformation, spirituality, even plants and nature. We have some nature people on there. It's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, just go anywhere, Spotify or Google or iTunes, wherever you want to, and just listen to one episode share it that's all yeah I love it I love it well Avery thank you so much for your time and wow girl I appreciate you I appreciate you too and you're crispy as fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to yet another amazing conversation started here on sunshine and rainbows podcast each week I'm quite literally blown away by the voices and stories shared here The goal is to amplify others' experiences in hopes that someone listening out there feels that much less alone. Thank you again to our incredible guests for getting so vulnerable with us about their own personal stories and for helping each of us remember to look at a situation with a new perspective. If you love this episode or any previous one, I hope you'll take a second to share it to a bestie or even tell us on social media. It really does make a difference in helping us get these conversations out there to the world. If you'd like to share your own story with our audience about how you've overcome something in your life or maybe want to start an important conversation that needs to be heard, please send us an email at hello at thatmandagirl.com. Stay colorful and we'll see you next week, besties.